Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the SciComm Toolkit podcast. It's been a while but I hope you are all doing okay. I've had a bit of a love-hate relationship with science communication recently. I have got some new equipment and I've been filming some bits which you can see now in a vlog over on my YouTube channel and I hope to start creating more and more video stuff for Safe Talk Science as well as in my day job but I've also been seriously battling a constant thought in my head that is driving me crazy about whether science communication has actually been the right career choice for me. Now, there are many 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 different factors that are going into that and I'm also the type of person that will always question the decisions I've made but I just wanted to be honest with you tell it how it is and yeah don't just paint this whole picture that things are always brilliant in science communication and always fantastic in the world of me and safe talk science but my life has been consumed by video over the last few weeks both in a personal and professional capacity which has been great I've loved learning and experimenting with a few different things but I am ready to get back to audio which leads me nicely onto today's episode of the SciComm Toolkit. So for anyone that doesn't know, before I was a podcaster and even before I was doing science communication on social media, I was a blogger. And so for any of you who have been reading or following my blog for a while now, this topic will probably be a little familiar. I have spoken about it before in a blog post, so I wanted to repurpose that blog post into this podcast episode, but also give it a little bit of an update with some other tips and thoughts and so on. And that topic is talking about sharing your science or your research without quote unquote dumbing it down. And I really need to find a better way of saying dumbing it down because I don't really like it. Maybe oversimplifying will work. So doing science communication is a skill that can be learned. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast after all. But like any skill, it takes practice and time to perfect. Sharing your science in whatever way you choose is a fine balancing act between sharing the novelty or the finer details and making sure everyone is on the same page before you delve into that. So yeah, doing science communication does often mean simplifying the content to make it understandable or streamlining it to remove the excess baggage of jargon or too much detail that's just going to get your audience completely lost and bewildered. But it needs to be done to be able to translate your message. In the world of research, this often leads to complaints from scientists and academics that this process can ultimately make things or the things you're talking about inaccurate or dilute its impact after years and years of hard work or it just completely misses the point of what is new. Now of course we don't want our psychom to be inaccurate and we want to communicate why some new research is exciting but adding all of that information in and layering fact after fact after fact can just make it really off-putting to an audience. So How do we do this? 
So this is something I get asked quite a lot and I wanted to share some hopefully helpful advice for any scientist starting out or trying to improve their SciComm about how to translate your research for your audience. Now my first point is accuracy over precision or facts over details if you will. Uh, we'll start with this one because it kind of leads on from what I've been mentioning in the intro bit. It is important to keep our science communication accurate, but things don't always have to be precise. It is possible to say something that is true without bogging your audience down in all the details that you might usually share in your academic seminars or conference talks, for example. A useful thing to do is sort of audit yourself when preparing. Ask yourself, does the fact still stand without that extra detail? Does that extra bit of detail add to the story you are telling? If you need that little snippet to be accurate, then share it. But if it is just adding another layer of complexity, maybe just leave it out or keep it in your back pocket in case there is a question that comes up. A good example of this is newspapers. Now, newspapers adopt the inverted pyramid approach to storytelling. The headline gives the story. The first paragraph adds basic facts. As you read further down the piece, you will get more elaboration and more detail. In good journalism, you will never find a point in the story that contradicts what went before. So how far you travel down your pyramid in your science communication depends on the audience you are engaging with. So building upon that for my second point is just don't get bogged down in those details. A lot of jargon gets thrown around in the world of science and jargon that can be understood by anyone if you describe it in the right way. But does your audience really need to know all the details? The short answer is no. They don't want to know about the technical edits you made to that mouse DNA or the deepest, darkest depths of the algorithm you are using for your modelling. Not everyone wants the same level of detail. A technical talk will want those things, but a talk to a lay audience, they're just not going to want to know about that. Think about what your audience will want to know and share that without the jargon, of course. A third tip for doing this is analogies. Now, the use of analogies is common throughout science communication. They are an incredibly useful tool because they allow you to link something new and unfamiliar to an everyday experience or object. For example, we can think of an atom as a miniature solar system. The electrons around the nucleus are like planets orbiting the sun. Now, care needs to be taken so that audiences understand that these are a model for the thing being explored and not exactly the same. And also note that pointing out the differences can sometimes be as useful as comparing the similarities. Now, an analogy is going to conjure up an image in anyone's mind, and it's going to make what could be quite a complex subject become more approachable and less daunting. So using things in your analogy that, again, are familiar to people is just going to cement that take-home message in their minds even more. 
that and it can make it even more memorable so that someone could share it with their friends and family again. How to create your analogies will be the topic of another podcast episode in the future, but just know that they can take a little while to come up with. Again, building on that tip for my fourth tip is to make your research into a story that everyone can relate to. As humans, we have been programmed over the course of evolution to respond to stories. When we hear a story, we resonate with it. It causes an increase in the levels of the feel-good hormone oxytocin in our bodies, which in turn allows us to build connections of trust and empathy. So rather than talking people through each technical step of your protocol, embrace the art of storytelling and share the journey that your proteins are going on. Again, more on storytelling in the future, but if you wanted to get a little head start, there is a fabulous book called The Science of Storytelling by Will Storr that is a great place to start. For number five, think about what is going to help you tell your stories and bring your analogies to life. Make use of demos, images, props, and so on. Visuals, in my opinion, are so much more powerful than just words. Being able to see how DNA is compacting down to fit into our cells with a demonstration or just using a simple flow diagram to explain possible outcomes is going to mean that you are not going to lose your audience as you're explaining everything along the way. Now, most of these tips come down to being prepared. So my next tip is exactly that. You need to know your audience and you need to know your goal for your SciComm because that will determine the level of detail and complexity to share. There is also no such thing as a general audience. So you need to know your audience. Once you know them, you can work out which part of your research are going to be most relevant to them and highlight that. To make sure that your audience can follow your idea, you need to find out what you want to achieve with your communication first. What is the bigger picture of the scientific topic? Why should they care to find out more about it? Make sure to include these reasons in your communication. They're going to be your hooks. That is what is going to grab your audience's attention. You also need to think about the tone of voice and the language that you are using. This is a tricky one to master and requires a lot of trial and error from my experience anyway, but it can also be a way that alienates your audience without you even realising it and you can lose their concentration or maybe even affect the way that they perceive scientists. So always think about the way you are speaking to people. Could it be putting them off? Have you got the right attitude to be communicating? Try not to say phrases that could be patronising, things like, you won't know this but, or as you already know. Don't assume a knowledge level and don't show off by stating how complicated or difficult something is. And you'll be surprised by how often that happens. So this does not imply that you need to leave out field-specific terms completely, though. Sometimes it just isn't possible to work around them without losing that accuracy. So in that case, 
It is better to incorporate those terms, but you have to explain them thoroughly. Just make sure that there are not too many jargon terms in what you're doing. Tip number eight is to ask open-ended questions. Science communication is part of a conversation with your audience. You want them to ask you questions as well as you giving them some new and fresh information and perhaps even asking them a question of your own. Questions are also a great way to gauge what your audience already knows. By asking your audience what they know about stem cells compared to do they know that stem cells create identical copies of themselves is allowing your audience to contribute to the discussion and let you know where you can build knowledge from. Now, these tips that I've mentioned so far work across any type of science communication, but some specific tips for written forms of SciComm are to give long sentences the chop. Lengthy sentences can be hard for readers to follow, and shorter ones will help keep them on track and ensure your message is clear. One top tip that I learnt during my first SciComm job is basically to have one idea or one fact per sentence. If you're starting to add too many things into a sentence, it needs to be broken up and split into shorter parts. Another point about written SciComm is swap the passive voice for the active voice. Writing in the active voice makes your sentences more direct and, surprise, more active. It also stops readers getting muddled because it's clear who the subject of the sentence is and what they are doing. One of my most successful Instagram reels was about the active voice, so take a look at that or I will add it into the show notes too so you can find it there. But my final tip and probably the most important one is to never underestimate your audience. While it is true that a lay person does not have the same expertise level in your scientific topic that you want to communicate, it does not mean that they are not able to think logically. Do not forget that a lay person makes up the majority of society and most of them are experts in their own job themselves. They're just not trained in the scientific method and unfamiliar with your particular field. And just to re-emphasise again, you need to forget that anything about the public is general, as everyone has a unique background, unique interests, unique knowledge. They might not know field-specific terms, but they are perfectly capable of processing what you are going to tell them if you present it in a logical and approachable way that suits them. Just like you can understand what your doctor is telling you if they are explaining it in an appropriate way. So that was a lot of bite-sized tips about how to share your science without dumbing it down or oversimplifying. So let's do a quick recap. Firstly, make sure your SciComm is accurate, even if it is not 100% precise. Two, don't get bogged down in the details. Three is to find a good analogy, even if it does take a little bit of time. Next, you can tell a story and use story elements like characters, emotions or different perspectives. Tip number five is to bring your story to life with visuals to make use of images, props, demonstrations and so on. 
Six is be prepared. Know your audience and your goals before you start. Think about your tone and your language and how that would be perceived by your audience. Number eight is to ask open-ended questions and start a conversation, not a lecture. Nine is a written tip to cut longer sentences into shorter ones and use the active voice. And finally, number 10 is to never underestimate your audience. So it is possible to make complex ideas accessible without oversimplifying, but it does need some time and thought. So remember these top tips. Think about what you want to say and who you are saying it to and don't try to do too much. Welcome to the DIY section of the podcast. This is a section where I give you an exercise or resource so that you can take away what we have talked about today and put it into practice straight away. I'm a bit of a poet and I didn't know it. (laughs) Anyway, today's exercise is one I saw shared on TikTok by the wonderful Dr. Susanna Harris, and it is called Oversimplify Your Science. I will add the link in the show notes so you can go follow her and share your results on TikTok too. But this exercise is going to help you realise where the line is between making your science accessible and oversimplifying your science so much that it can be inaccurate. So step number one is to write a single sentence that summarises your science. If you're a PhD student, maybe that's going to be your thesis title. Now, replace all of the jargon words that you wouldn't expect a high school graduate to know. So someone sort of age 16. Step two is to take your new sentence and make it even simpler. Cut out any other jargon, use shorter words, make the whole sentence shorter itself. Repeat this again and again and again until you have something that isn't technically accurate. So by the end of this, you will have a range of ways to explain your science, one or two which might be slightly wrong, but it also helps you to identify what scientific jargon you need to say in your science communication, but crucially need to explain and potentially introduce to your audience so they can follow along with your research story. Another great exercise I've seen is to use the 500 most common words used in the English language and to share your science using only those words. So hopefully this episode has given you some food for thought and great places to start and play around with what you're trying to say. I would also love to hear about your oversimplify your science challenge and thanks again to Susanna for sharing that great exercise. But that is that for this episode. As always you can find transcripts and show notes on my website that is www.sofetalkscience.com forward slash toolkit. If you enjoyed this episode and found it useful, then make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any SciComm tips that are shared, or maybe tell your friends about it, share it on social media so other people can learn too. So thank you all again for listening, and I look forward to sharing more SciComm advice with you in the next episode. But until then, keep bringing science stories to life. Bye.